2: In the game of two halves, Liverpool finally had their say on the title race last weekend, holding league leaders Arsenal to what could be a costly draw at a raucous Anfield on Sunday. With Thiago and Diaz back now, Klopp has his strongest squad available and will look to engineer the strongest possible finish to the season. Liverpool's next challenge is a trip to Ellen Road on Monday evening to take on Javi Gracia's Leeds. And joining me today on the pod to discuss what's been a tumultuous season that's ending with a battle to stay in the Premier League, I welcome back writer and presenter for TIFO Football and The Athletic, John McKenzie. Welcome back, John.
3: Well, thank you for having me. It's always a great pleasure to chat to you.
2: You say that, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to hold you to, it's, mm. I, I think at, at various points, it's it's not necessarily been the most fun to talk about, um, all, certainly this season and know sort of differing Differing expectations and differing standards, I suppose. But in, in terms of sort of um, Liverpool season, uh, certainly Liverpool's online discourse. Uh, I was just discussing before we started hitting, hitting the record button. Not the most fun thing to uh, try and scroll through at the moment. I do try and keep uh, keep short shrift and uh, avoid it as as often as I can. And I'm guessing the the, the debate online around leads and and how the season has unfolded is is not like not any more pleasant to be honest but I just wanted to ask you at this stage uh, of the season given how things are just just for your first of all overarching thoughts on 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 how the season has unfolded um I feel that there's a lot to cover there so feel free to go on as long as you would as you as you would like to and touch upon sort of what you think the most important factors are We'll, we'll obviously dive into it but yeah, your your overarching thoughts on where Leeds find themselves at this moment.
3: Well, I'll start off by saying that it's definitely been harder to be a Leeds fan in the last decade than it has 100%, been a Liverpool fan. One hundred percent. Let's just get that one out of the way <laughs> immediately. Um, yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting season. Um, I suppose the the way that this season went started at the end of of last season when we brought in Jesse Marsh. Ten games to go, or so, maybe thirteen. Um, and that was very much, I think, a attempt by Victor Orta, the director of football at Leeds, to, uh, I think maybe, I, I describe it sometimes as gaming the system. It's may be a little bit harsh, but as I see it, the reality for teams who are um, towards the bottom end of the table is that you have to do everything you can to survive. The league is getting more and more competitive at the bottom, um, as is... Uh, I think evidenced by the fact that if you look at the table, there is that uh, agglomeration of teams all close together in terms of points. So it's a it's a tough season in terms of um, actually staying safe. Um, you are in danger even if you are down in twelfth place at the moment, which is which is pretty remarkable. Um, so I think Victor also came in and, and wanted to maybe adopt a style of play where um, you're getting upside from buying players who maybe don't have the the, the sort of technical level that um, some of the, the better teams in the league have, but you're still trying to generate upside by um, emphasizing a different aspect of the game, which is the out-of-possession side of things. So the theory is, is that you can buy players cheaper because you're not looking to get Technical prowess, but you are buying physical prowess, uh, and uh, I guess Liverpool fans will will know exactly what I mean by that because I suppose the ongoing debates have always been around Liverpool: how do you how do you change your midfield? What does your midfield need? What should it be? Should it go back to what it was before? Should it become more technical, etc.? Um, that that sort of debate, I suppose, is the is the foundation for what Leeds did at the beginning of uh, well, the end of last season and into this season um and under jesse marsh it it transpired that it it very much wasn't going to work i think from a tactical point of view there's been a lot of debates about the underlying numbers as there always are um but i think there are very clear tactical reasons for why leeds struggled a little bit in the first half of the season and that was mainly that um, when you play against teams who are going to try and build up from the back Leeds are elite in many respects they're very good at pressing causing teams problems. So we've played quite well against some of the top six sides this season. But the problem is, is that when we play against teams at the bottom end of the table, they don't countenance our press or high press at all. They just play over the top of it and they look to try and exploit some of the weaknesses that emerge because Leeds uh, do try and, uh, by pressing the ball, they do end up um, congregating around the ball, leaving. Uh, far side weaknesses, so space on the far side that can be exploited, and uh, essentially we we just struggled in those games where we were being given possession of the ball and teams were playing it over our press. So yeah, eventually Jesse Marsh left, probably too late really for us to solve any of the problems. There's been a couple of teams this season, obviously, who've brought in very good managers by firing their managers early on. So you know, Emery is having a, a quite a bit of fun at Villa at the moment. And I suppose a a manager like Hula Lopetegui, who is a former Real Madrid manager, uh, going to Wolves is another example of that. Leeds ended up in this situation then where they brought in, well, uh, initially a sort of caretaker manager, the assistant from one of the assistants from um, the Jesse Marsh era, um, and then panicked when um, we uh, we lost the game. Uh, a, a couple of games, really, that we felt that we should have won. So looked for a replacement manager, went through a, a load of quite exciting young managers around Europe, uh, none of whom wanted to come for obvious reasons because of the situation. Uh, and so we we sort of plumped on Javi grassi in the end. And I suppose normally it went quite well. We got good results for sure. Um, but there was always questions about the performances, actually. And again, whether or not the the results were actually matching up to uh, the the underlying numbers and the performances that were being put in um all of which came to a head against crystal palace last weekend when leeds ended up losing 5-1 which is not an ideal result at home against uh, another relegation candidate um and so yeah it, it very much feels as though leeds are now in a holding pattern it, it feels as though we're, we're looking to survive and then hopefully we'll be able to bring someone else in um but we are now caught in that cycle of having had a few different managers and a few different seasons now and having squads that are are a squad that is pretty shonky on the basis of the fact that we've had quite a big system change between Bielsa and Marsh and now it feels as though we're maybe going back in the other direction as well so everything is all at sea for Leeds but I think that we'll probably have just about enough to stay up. We have a couple of exciting younger players who um, are actually able to dig us out of holes, and I think we'll probably just about manage to stay up. But there is still a very real chance that we may not be in the league next season as well. So I, I don't know if that was a good enough summary, but that's that's sort of how the season has unfolded as, as I'm looking at it.
2: That's a pretty good summary. I think you've, you have touched upon a couple of different things there, some threads that I want to pull out a little bit. And I remember... When we last had a conversation ahead of that Liverpool-Leeds game earlier in the season, it feels like a long time ago now, actually, but I still remember the visceral enjoyment of that game as well, uh, having watched it. And we, I think we, we were discussing some of the problems Leeds were having, some of the problems Liverpool were having. As you already mentioned there a, a little bit, some of the debates did overlap slightly around profiles of player, um, sort of the, the off-the-ball work that we have come to associate with with teams that look to press um, in the way in which Liverpool have done in the past um, and Leeds certainly have done in the past and continue to try and do this season as well. And I found that game very interesting because I remember, I think I was particularly pessimistic going into it as well. And I think you were particularly pessimistic going into it mm. as well. Uh, and I, I was just convinced that uh, um, given what I'd seen of Leeds, and as you mentioned there, the actual capacity uh, for work rate and the effort that were, that you were going to put in, that that could trouble liverpool on the day because because of the issues that were sort of currently plaguing liverpool yeah. um, or, or, or were plaguing liverpool at, at that point in the season it feels like there's been uh an evolution of a couple of those issues um just casting your mind back to that game obviously a famous result uh really sort of great moment for somerville as well with that late winner um at anfield What did you make of that performance? Were you surprised at the way in which um, Leeds were able to get at Liverpool? Because I I think it could have been more comfortable than it actually ended up looking, uh, with that late winner for you. I think there was a a, a number of chances, and Liverpool never really looked in control of that game at all. So, um, or or does that fit the pattern of what you were describing there, where you know when teams do try and build out from the back a little bit, um, or caught between two stalls, you 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 can punish them.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think. That if you were to have told me before that that was the way the game would have gone, then yeah, the, there's elements there that we've that we talked about at the time. And um, I think that I mean, in many respects, you, you know, we'd sort of sucker punch you with with a couple of goals on in transitional moments, which I think those are the areas that Liverpool struggle in, particularly at this at this at this season um i've been talking about this uh, uh, feels like quite a bit recently uh with various people but mm. i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this actually but one of the things that i've mentioned is that liverpool they play liverpool play really aggressive mid-block in a lot of respects i know everyone thinks of, of liverpool as being a sort of very aggressive high pressing team and, and obviously they do press out of their mid-block into quite aggressive high pressing yeah. um but at the same time, the, the, there's, there's the the element of you, you know you guys play a high line and you look to compact the space and you look to there was a period early on in Klopp's tenure where you would try and invite pressure into the central areas and then mm-hmm. um, uh, jump pressing traps there. Um, the, 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 your, your forward press has evolved quite a bit in in different iterations of of Klopp's Liverpool, but I feel as though the, your, it's such a risky way of playing because I feel as though with that high line you're essentially committing to that mid block where most people would drop in and would say okay in this situation um, we're not willing to take the risk we're going to drop our our line back and we're going to fall into a low block shape and most teams would do that even even um, elite teams would be doing that and in the last few seasons there's been i've heard a lot of liverpool fans used to to get really annoyed because people would say liverpool is so open at the back because you would um, you would concede these these chances which would would eventually be given as offside yes yeah. um, and they'd look like really dangerous chances and a lot of people would say oh you know liverpool don't look as good as they as they probably should because they look really dodgy defensively match the
2: day especially i do remember a, sure. lot, a lot of offside goals <laughs>
3: Yeah, exactly, and and it does give that sense that, that that Liverpool were were risk well were were more dangerous defensively than than they actually were. But I think that what's happened now is that a number of things. One is that if you're going to play with that kind of risky high line, you're doing it because you want your counter press to work, um, yeah. and you want you want to make sure that you're you're making, as I said, that the, the space as compact as possible to make it possible for you to win the ball back. If it, this season your counter press hasn't worked as much, and and that leaves you in the situation where where teams are able to do a number of things. One of one of which is possess the ball long enough to to play dangerous passes in behind and and exploit that um, that that line. And so a lot of those chances in previous seasons, which would turn out being turn out to be offside, uh, I feel as though they've sort of turned into dangerous chances uh, that aren't offside, and because just because the timing of everything is slightly off, so you're really aggressive. Approach, I think, does lend itself to teams who can catch you on the break. Um, really being able to have joy this season, and I think that's sort of what happened with, with, with Leeds. And as you say, we 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 talked before about the fact that Leeds were 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 at their best when teams were trying to um, build up from the back. Because, and even it's it's the case now. Leeds are still. Are you that person who has everything,
1: the coolest merch, and those
3: must-have fan threads?
1: As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
3: I would say their best quality is their ability to actually press back um, against the opposition, win the ball, and then um, turn those into quick counterattacks. So, yeah, I, I think a team like Liverpool is absolutely perfect for for leads to face even in in their current iteration so um i, I don't know whether or not that fills you with dread or, or or hope or whether or not you're just completely numb at this point um, <laughs> but uh, it, weirdly despite the fact that javi gracia has been brought in as a sort of you know fairly conservative low block structure mm. give the players uh, a framework out of which to play and hope for the best despite the fact that he's been brought in I think as that kind of coach this squad remains a, a squad that is filled with those players that we talked about before so towards the towards the physically um elite end of the spectrum rather than the technically elite um and that a means muscle memory that, yeah still there. Yeah exactly uh, and I think that that means that they they don't have the necessarily the creativity and an ability to possess the ball um that that you might want them to have. And so as a result, some of the best chances that we're creating at the moment, I think, come from us um turning the ball over in in either in high areas but also around the 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 halfway mark as well. And then attacking at speed. So yeah, I'd say that's where we're sort of at now to to sort of fast forward from that the the fixture earlier in the season to the present day. Um, actually not a lot has changed despite the fact that I think Lee's fans want to believe that a lot has changed
2: yeah it's i'd i'd say not not huge amounts has has changed for liverpool as well to be honest and i think just thinking back to that game and as you were outlining there the different stages in evolution that liverpool have had i think you're right there there, there was a perception that lasted a lot longer than it was actually accurate around sort of the liverpool being this incredibly aggressive uh so gagan pressing team for whatever for whatever that word actually came to mean in the end uh, that heavy metal football that was thrown around a lot and you're you're right to point out that actually it, it it's had di- different iterations different incarnations and i remember as you were just talking there about the uh the period where liverpool used to just set traps really where we'd we'd pump the ball into different areas uh contest to, to try and w- win the header ostensibly, but actually never have any hope of winning that header. It would always be about the second ball and us hoovering that up. And I think that's probably when Firmino was at his prime to be honest, that he was very good at doing that that job of like you'd see his his numbers after the game and you'd say, Oh God, airily this guy's a disaster. But actually he wasn't really like necessarily interested in winning those those flick-ons. It was about winning um what what came after them and then I think, as you you were alluding to there, the being caught between two stalls, I think that's been one of the ideas uh, or one of the debates that's really lasted for Liverpool fans this season. Is uh, I think when at some stage people started talking about this season as a transition season, and for me, if if you're going to label something as a transition or transitional season, you, you sort of have to have a vague idea of the direction in which you're going, right? It, it, it can't just be. All oh, things are broken, so this is a transition season. I think next season is probably going to be a transition season for Liverpool mm-hmm. as well. But I think Klopp, had clearly, with the bringing in of Thiago, uh, the allowing of, sort of Ginny One Adam to depart as well, that they were, they were trying to go for a different kind of approach where uh, you have a ball playing midfielder in Thiago who can dictate the pace of of a game and like uh, hopefully dovetail with the the, the presses to have a different way of. Hacking teams in and uh, like pinning them into their own box and then trying to break them down in a different way than we used to necessarily. I think I, I saw a video you did on on Liverpool versus uh, Arsenal um, in on on the weekend and the different stages of that game and you you highlighted that actually that there was that one stage of the game where it looked as though it looked like Liverpool of last season where we. He packed Arsenal, um, mm. push push them deep into the box because um, they they dropped after they conceded, uh, and they couldn't get out for a little bit. And uh, Thiago was just recycling, Fabinho was recycling, and that reminded me a lot of uh, of last season, for for example. But yeah, I think I think what's happened this season it was definitely happened in the Liverpool Leeds game earlier in the year, is um, as the physical capacity has dipped in the team, especially in that midfield, the physical capacity, whether it's, you know, I mean, there's lots of different debates of why that's why that's happened. I, I personally think that um, allowing one Adam, one Adam to leave uh, Henderson's physical decline over the years anyway uh, has meant that actually Fabinho ended up doing a lot of defensive work over the past two seasons and also seems to have, now be suffering from the effects of that. So you're left in a situation where, None of that midfield can really do what you want from a physical perspective, unless they're 19-year-olds and they're not necessarily midfielders uh, or Premier League midfielders yet. And then you've got Tiago, who can try and tape things together a little bit and every now and then uh, becomes a much more combative midfielder than we probably wanted him to be when we when we signed him. Uh, but it's it's a, lo- a long way to say that liverpool are still very much at this halfway house point yeah. there is isn't a coherent idea as to what they're trying to do in, in my mind there's a couple of different er- avenues they could go down and i don't think that the the coaching staff have necessarily decided that uh was it, 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 it i'm interested in your opinion because I, I remember we we had a little bit a, a little bit of a discussion about this earlier in the season and i've spoken to carl uh, anchor about it in the past and his theories on things but in, in terms of where you see Liverpool's dysfunction as having originated from what's what's your view having watched a lot of them and yeah ha- had to do sort of match breakdowns like you did for the Arsenal game
3: yeah I mean to start off with it's it is a tri- it's a it's a hard phenomenon to come to terms with um as I said before I think f- for me it's that you play in that very specific way which relies on certain things being in place. And once those things aren't in place, everything seems to fall apart a little Mm. bit. And
2: the muscle memory is also the same. I think uh, uh, like you were mentioning with some of those Leeds players, I think that that we suffer from that a little bit as well at times where you think, surely you're going to be sensible in this moment, but actually the muscle memory is to, oh, we could counter from here. (laughs) And then you give the ball away uh, in a a very dangerous area, for example. Yeah.
3: But I think there's also, uh, there's also a question of the extent to which, Klopp necessarily wants the team to change or even even can um, affect yeah. that change. And I, I think that's the thing that's that's so interesting because I feel as though the, the Klopp method, despite the fact that there was that evolution that he had when he moved to the Premier League and realized that he couldn't simply be a gegenpressing pressing coach, he had to have a, uh, an in-possession system and the, the various iterations of that. So yeah, the idea that, that you were going to get a huge amount of attacking upside from your fullbacks, the idea that actually you might be able to countenance uh, more technical players in the midfield areas. Um, and also the fact that you had players who sort of fit the system. Um, and it feels as though you've then replaced mm-hmm. those players with players who don't fit the system as well. Um, mm-hmm. the, the The whole thing sort of.
4: Hello, I'm here to annoy you.
3: strikes me as uh, as I mean, we we've, you've already mentioned that you're you've, you're the, the the narrative is that liverpool are, are going to get undergo something of a of a a, a a development this summer everyone's talking about the the fact that they're going to do a rebuild but i do think there are real questions to be asked about how you do that whether or not the solution to this is just going back to the way that it was before mm-hmm. um whether or not that style will s- still work in a league where I think the the technical level is improving all the time. Uh, there's never been more money in the Premier League than there is now, and the the league has an, an advantage over every other European league. Um, we're seeing teams at the bottom of the Premier League being able to outbid and outpay players from you know the top of Serie A for example yeah, uh, and yeah. that changes that def- definitely changes the dynamic so uh, th- it, it it's a, a a very interesting time for Liverpool I think it, not only that but your re- your whole recruitment department has gone through something of a mm. um of an upheaval so Michael Edwards has moved on um Ian Graham's moved on. We've seen Will Spearman be uh, appointed to replace him. Yeah. Um, That's a positive. I, I hope. Yeah, no. It? Will's a Will's a great guy, and you know, I have I have absolutely no doubt that he'll he'll carry on the good work. But you, you know, any kind of upheaval like that just before you're going through a, a a big rebuild um at a point in time when there's been rumors about the fsg selling on however true that is or however much of the club and the stake they want to sell etc it is that there's a lot going on and uh, it feels as though to have one summer where you're then going to you're going to rebuild the squad and uh, presumably that will involve questions about whether or not you change the style of play that that you're going to be using etc um so there's a there's clearly like a, a lot of upheaval at the moment and i suppose that with all of the uncertainty about the playing style as well um it, it it does sort of make it very tricky to 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 really know what what the the issue is and how the club perceive the issue um mm-hmm. in the first place um but yeah for me it does boil down to what i was talking about before which is that you play this like aggressive mid block um into a high press that um i think relies very uh, very fundamentally on knife edge things so the the height of the back line the triggers where your plot your back line steps forward or or drops off uh etc the the rigorousness and the and the the scope of the counter press to be able to stop teams from really benefiting from that Um, uh, approach all of that to me seems very risky but to what extent can you simply solve that by playing a different style of play when your manager has always played that style of play etc means that i'm uh, i'm very much i'm all sort of bemused and perplexed about what it is that meant that liverpool went so badly you know wrong within a, a short space of time and then yet still have the capacity to tonk Manchester United (laughs) 7-0 and I think it's that it's it's the fact that your play style is so knife-edge that sometimes it can topple over into the sublime sometimes it can topple over into the ridiculous and there's not a huge amount of explanation as to why one thing goes one way and one thing goes the other.
2: Yeah I feel like like we've lost the balance it's it's, it's, it's an interesting one because I think as you mentioned, there's been games where you see glimmers of uh, the old Liverpool. Should we say, or different incarnations of Liverpool? I think I've seen sort of the different versions of Liverpool over the last five years, throughout the entire season, d- at different points. To be honest, and I think that debate is definitely happening as to sort of whether you think, well, okay, you just go and you overhaul the midfield. Like you just pick that section of the pitch and you overhaul that area to allow you to actually have the physical capacity that you were used to. Players who can run and 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 meet the expectations that we used to have of the press. It'll take obviously a bit of time to learn the tactical roles and the triggers, et cetera. And it won't, won't be a perfect fit, but you could settle back into the way in which you used to play. I think that as you were, as you were mentioning there. But I think you're right. Does that work? Is it is it as effective? I think that the reason why we changed was uh probably a recognition of, okay, we've almost got this perfect, but we can't quite beat the opposition that we have what tweak can we introduce to, to get that missing edge? And it's been interesting seeing some of those tweaks. And I think, I think the bit that does rub me slightly the wrong way is uh, I, th- I think we, we see, see so many teams now doing these inverted fullbacks mm. uh, and taking on tactical tweaks that uh, are very familiar, uh, having seen sort of Pep Guardiola mm. uh, roll out var- variations of them uh, since his time in England. And, I, I I do find it slightly bizarre that you would have such a distinct style and yet what's come in this season or not just this season, I think it was last season as well, to be honest, the little tweaks that we started to be introducing are actually um, like taking little tips and tricks from, from that handbook, which is strange now considering Guardiola's uh, at a position in the season where he's not even playing that way any longer in terms of the way in which he's currently setting City up. But certainly against Arsenal, you saw that uh, intent uh, to to deploy Trent in a different role. Nice. Found it very interesting that there was decided to to test drive that against Arsenal at home. Very 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 fun for the first 20 30 minutes. But I think that's what slightly concerns me. In that you think the players, as you mentioned, who have come in, Luis Diaz can sort of meet the pressing requirements of a Sadio Mane, but is not Sadio Mane and plays in a very different way to Sadio Mane. Uh, that's an immediate departure from somebody who seamlessly fits the system, and Darwin Nunez is a very obvious departure from from sort of the players mm-hmm. of the past. And and Gakpo, and whether or not you believe Gakpo can evolve into something even slightly like what Bobby Firmino became, uh, is another question itself. Um, always happy to have sort of more Dutch players who are uh, generally quite tactically switched on in 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 the team, but. Yeah, I think I think it, we could probably debate on on Liverpool and 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 think about where they're going to be heading um, for, the, for for the entirety of the pod. I, I do agree; it's a it's a it's a frustrating situation, obviously, but I think it's it's a fascinating one to see how Klopp is going to re oh, sorry, approach this rebuild. To be honest, because it's it is something that we've never seen him do. We've never seen him take on a challenge like this. So. Yeah, you you do hope, as you mentioned there, that the likes of Will Spim and the recruitment staff are being properly empowered and, and that some of those rumours around why Edwards or whoever have left the club um, aren't necessarily that way because I think the last time things worked perfectly, it did seem like everybody was fairly harmonious and you know, everyone uh, was comfortable in their own role. But we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, in in terms of the tactical departure that you mentioned here, it's, it's sort of become slightly strange now. In the, from Bielsa to Marsh, and uh, like now with the, the temporary um, role at, at the moment anyway of Javier Garcia, uh, completely trying to implement a different style of football, and, and with the the sole the main objective being survival, uh, but the muscle memory still being there amongst some of those players. What, what was it about the palace game that you think uh, was the reason that things crumbled the way in which they did obviously palace had got a lot of really talented dribblers uh who can who can make your life miserable on their day but what was it about that game that you thought ah oh, okay some of the errors that we've or some of the issues that we've seen here have really been exposed
3: yeah again i think it comes down to what i was saying before and that is that despite the fact that a lot of the leeds fans want to think that we're now some kind of possessionally smart team <laughs> we are very much a team who has their upside from from in the out of possession phase yeah um i i felt until the leeds goal went in we were very much able to control the game through the the out of possession phases mm-hmm. so deny palace any chance to to really progress the ball beyond set pieces um and there was a level of intensity there which just it just helps um when you can't possess the ball if you can prese- pre- prevent the other team from being able to to carry it down the field um once a lovely goal went... by Bamford by the way so I didn't yeah, yeah.
2: I didn't think enough was made of the header but I think that tends to happen when you score a goal like that and then mm. yeah you end up getting a drubbing you
3: know yeah we well it was funny because I think a lot of people thought that Leeds were in control for the first 20 minutes um I'm not sure if I would necessarily go all that way, but I, what I do think is that we did prevent Palace from being able to do anything. We we generated some chances. Some of them were a little bit lucky, but what we did do is we made those chances much better in shooting. Um, so, for example, the, you've mentioned the Banford header there. Um, that's a fairly low quality chance but he hits it absolutely bang inside the post and it's it no no keeper saving that and then um, speaking of no keeper saving it Sam Johnson decided to have a really good game against us and and there was a few (laughs) again few chances that we generated that weren't that dangerous but the shots were really good uh, and he pulled off a few saves so I think between the fact that we didn't generate a huge amount of expected goals but what we did create we actually did a good job of making more dangerous than it was I think a lot of Leeds fans felt we should have been two or three goals up um after the first half um i'm not sure if i agree but palace were able to slowly get back into the game because i, I felt as though they uh, were just they they were just much more able to pro- progress the ball because our intensity uh, dropped off um after the after the goal went in um so i felt that 1-1 at half time is probably fair given that we gave up three pretty big set piece chances um and then in the second half, I think it was just a case of um, we got sucker punched in a, a short space of time with two goals. Palace were were able to progress the ball forward. They were able to start taking advantage of some of the defensive weaknesses that is similar to similar way to the, the what we were talking about with Liverpool before, which was um, there are those weaknesses are there. But you they are weaknesses that are the result of having made tactical decisions fur, further up the field to be aggressive and the the upside is is that you're actually able to stop them from being able to exploit those moments and as the game went on we became less and less able to stop them from exploiting those moments and so again it's another one example of those sort of knife edge games right where as, as long as what leads were doing was working in the in the first 30 minutes or so was working it was fine but as soon as the intensity dropped off it flipped the other way and became quite um it became quite raggedy and so yeah it was 1-1 one, one at half time they scored two goals fairly quickly early on in the second half and then i felt from that point onwards uh leeds just had to be aggressive to try and get back into the game and that just exacerbated some of the the defensive weaknesses that we have so yeah 5-1 is probably a little bit Harsh. Everything sort of went right for for Palace, but equally, I do feel as though in that second half, Palace were able to control the game, were able to generate a couple of chances, which they scored quickly, because we were sh- sloppy, and then from that point onwards, we just couldn't get back into the game because it just left us completely exposed on the break. So,
2: yeah, and I think as you as you alluded to, and if you are going to get tired, Palace do you possess those players who can who can really punish you in that situation on their on their day, I think uh Eze was and Lise particularly sort of enjoyable to to watch in those in those moments. And I was just looking at the fixture list and looking beyond the Liverpool game and some huge, huge fixtures coming up obviously in terms of the uh, trip to Fulham, um the home game against Leicester, who still appeared to be in a real bad way, despite even the appointment of Dean Smith. I'm not I'm I'm slightly dubious about the effect that's gonna have Bournemouth uh, away as well before, obviously, a trip to Manchester City. feels like those fixtures are you know, really, really important. Um, having said that, you've also sort of talked, and we've talked at length about uh, on this pod, how Liverpool and uh, in this incarnation of Liverpool uh, are a, a well-suited sort of side for Leeds to come up against in terms of you looking to rebound from that loss to Palace, you're going to be at home. It will be a difficult uh, atmosphere for Liverpool. We've seen them um, sort of a better versions of Liverpool struggle with this in the past, and I, I just wonder how you think Harry uh, Gracia is going to approach um, a game like this, knowing uh, as he does the fixtures that are coming afterwards, and how how key those will be as well. Uh, do, you, do you think it will be in his mind that? despite Liverpool having weaknesses that Leeds could actually be able to exploit given the strengths that you have. Um, do, you, do you think it'll be in his mind as well that the attacking prowess of Liverpool you know, not wanting to have any anything like a similar result to the Palace game?
3: Yeah, I think that will be at the forefront of his mind. It's going to be how do we stop this game from going away from us in such a way that we can actually win by maybe uh p- picking up a goal or maybe two um mm-hmm. he's done that he did that against arsenal and and obviously that didn't go particularly well we we held that pretty well for the most of the first half but then gave away a, a penalty um and i think whenever when it comes to coaches like javi gracia it's, it's always a sort of it's also sort of negative gamble right it, it feels to me as though the attitude is always well we'll, we'll play it safe and then see if we can hit on the break, but because you're playing it safe, you make it very difficult for you to hit on the break. So um it will be a case of whether or not you can break us down comfortably and um how you go about doing that. Because as we said, if if it is the case that you're going to try and build up through us, I do think we can cause teams problems in that build-up phase. So um if Liverpool choose to be quite direct and 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 almost force us back and then and then possess the ball, I think it will be a different story in, in, entirely um and I, again like we we've just talked about the arsenal game where i felt as though in that in that first half arsenal had the better of it you managed to get back within a goal and i think a combination of of the pressure that was on arsenal and and the fact that you know the 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 the, the crowd was lifted um regardless of how important
0: i don't need a vpn i've got nothing to hide ha making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
3: That that's that sort of phenomenon is to momentum. It just felt as though Arsenal uh, shrank shrank deeper and deeper and and you were able to keep them largely forced back for a lot long stretches of the of the second half and I think that the same thing may be be true if you can manage that against against leads if you can keep us forced in um again you know the gamble is always what happens if we manage to get the the breakaway but um i do think that if you are able to retain the possession of the ball in our final third largely and move it around side to side you're you're almost certainly going to be able to generate a couple of goals that way so um, yeah I think for me the big question is do you try and build up through our high press uh, Ma- we play Manchester United twice in a row because um, of various fixture scheduling um, realities but um, in both of those games Man United tried to continue to try and build up through our press despite the fact they were really struggling to do it um, and I'm, I'm sort of interested whether or not Liverpool and Klopp are, are going to have the same attitude, whether it's going to be we'll try and build up, and if we can't, then we'll just go direct and and just try and force you back naturally through winning second balls, um, or whether or not, yeah, you you just keep on doing that and actually allow us to control the game, and in that sense that I talked about it before, where where Leeds are able to keep you away from the final third well enough to um, through through out of possession stuff to to make it um, difficult for you, but yeah the the thing is is that you, but I think both teams have dangerous players who can who can change games just in moments um most of what we've done since Javi Gracia came in has been through we don't score many system goals at all we score we've scored a lot of goals from um players picking the ball up at the edge of the box and scoring you know really nice finishes um not from you know any sort of patterns that we've been running in training um so again, I, I think you know we're always going to be able to have those moments. We you, we we had two of those moments against you in the last fixture, uh, with with Somerville. As we've already said, we've got Willie Nonto as well. We've got Luis Sinistero. All of those guys can cause problems in individual moments. Um, but I feel the same is true of you guys as well, right? You have mm. you have elite forwards who can can change games by the the way that they're playing. Um, and so yeah, I, I suspect it will end up in that sort of dynamic of, of mm. you controlling the ball, forcing us back and, and and uh trying to mitigate us when we're on the break. Um but yeah, I don't know. I I I I can I can conceive of a, a reality where we do actually manage to press quite aggressively for most of the game and, and actually make it hard for you to build up through our press. But mm. um yeah, that's, such is the nature of these two teams at the moment. I don't want to go either way on those on those yeah. in terms of predictions
2: no i know what you mean i, th- I, th- I think it could be quite chaotic actually i think yeah. I, I think games against leeds and liverpool have tended to be quite chaotic and uh, some wonderful ways in the past uh, but i think that uh this one could be uh, it's, it, it's interesting to hear what you, you're saying there about sort of how we approach the build-up and i do think what we saw against arsenal certainly in the first 30 minutes of trying to deploy trent in that in that way w- without having sort of necessarily rehearsed it and actually to be honest I I don't necessarily think Trent has all the skills just yet to actually understand and play that role uh, very effectively um, whilst also being uh, you know a bit more resistant to dealing with a high press Uh, I I thought Arsenal targeted him very well uh, and he didn't necessarily have the the ability to get his way out of it in the early in the early stretches of that game, I think if if we were to try and do the same thing against Leeds in a high press, I think it would also be playing into your hands a little bit uh, around um, nervy defending, you know, players losing the ball, passing backwards, giving it to Allison far too much that we shouldn't be doing. Uh, so I, I would not be surprised, as you mentioned there, to see Darwin Nunez... Uh, deployed down the middle and uh, as go a little bit more direct. I, th- I think for for me, for my side, the the biggest positive Liverpool could have before the season's over and they're able to start working on on recruitment is was the re- the return of of uh, Thiago in, in 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 midfield and and what he offers in terms of just a little bit more control in that midfield. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Henderson as well as I, I think he's. Very much in the red zone when it comes to uh, he's about to get injured based upon how many games he's played consistently uh, and his past four or five seasons of of injury records. So whether there'll be rotation, there's another one, and also the temptation, I suppose, uh, from Klopp is to sort of does he uh, so does he go for it in terms of dropping Luis Diaz back into into action or is it is he still going to be a bit cautious given how long long he's been out? But just one final question I wanted to ask before, before we wrap up, and it was just really around the, the identity of Leeds, which I think we've touched upon uh, many times throughout the pod. And uh, under Bielsa, that was obviously very, very defined, um, perhaps less if, if you want to talk about that towards the end. But with Marsh, there was an attempt to have a continuation or not a complete departure from from the Bielsa uh, style of play that he employed at, at Leeds with, with the players that Leeds had. And Javi Gracia feels obviously like a stopgap option at the moment to 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 shore things up and secure survival. But I suppose the question I've got is, do you get any impression as to sort of which direction the club would want to go in at the end of this season in terms of trying to assess the squad and go, well, we have a lot of players who are used to playing this particular way to overhaul the squad and and move to something else would, would, would take a, a lot of work. Do we just try and find... Uh, a, a few players here and there that can make this more solid and, and a manager that's that's used to that system or used to that style of play? Or do we do actually begin that departure away from away from that approach? Uh, and and I suppose how, how much of that question or how it's answered hinges upon whether Leeds are in the Premier League next season?
3: Yeah, I mean lots of questions, big, sorry, big questions. Ask. No, no, no. And and I think that valid questions. I suppose the way that I would start by answering that is the big question is do they actually move Javi Grassier on at the end of the season? Because I I have a sneaking suspicion that that if he does keep us up then they'll be tempted to to keep him on. But mm-hmm. that's something that we can't really know. At this point, there's also the possibility that Leeds will be owned by uh um conglomerate of people who are invested in the san francisco 49ers as well um that's been rumbling on for a while so uh, whether or not that changes over the summer and they take full control um i think they currently own a minority stake and the the possibility is that they would take the the majority and then control the club if that happens uh, uh, anything could happen i suppose um in terms of practically yeah it would be tough for us to completely reinvent the wheel with this squad um, because we have a majority of people in that squad who are going to suit the the, the more out of possession um, focused approach. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we are drastically in need of some technical players to start changing that either way, I think. Um, so I would like to see more more of those those come in. But we've been given no indication, really, of what the club wants to do, um, largely because I mentioned before that there was a number of managers that were being touted as potentials when we moved Jesse Marshall that we were trying to get. And I don't think there was necessarily a, a, a sort of thematic um, element running through all of them. Um, beyond these are young up and coming managers who have interesting tactical ideas and we could probably get them before they make the next step up to the elite level Um, which I think is it's positive right in nominally speaking um, to be looking at managers like that Um, but again that means that those coaches would be probably playing very different styles so it's, it's hard to know exactly what the plan would be but it the, the worrying thing i suppose for me is that we've gone from this this situation where we were where the ownership were nominally trying to be quite smart and be like look we're thinking about what we're doing we've got this whole plan in place of of how to game the system as i called it before here's a coach you can do that this will allow us to change our squad building so that we save money and we can bring in um these elite physical players to play um to, to play the style we want and because Um, the technical players are more sought after in the premier league that means we should be able to save money but looking back at it now we've ended up in a situation where it felt like we've overpaid for players anyway um we've we've changed our approach very drastically in the course of the season and it, it whatever happens from here on in the 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 board and uh, an ownership of the club can't pretend that this was all in the plans uh, because it has all just been pulled apart very very quickly so yeah, I think most most Leeds fans want stability, which is why I think a lot of them probably would want Javi Grassi to stay on. Uh because we've obviously had a few good results under him. Um, regardless of how lucky those have been. And the the idea is almost that he's a sort of quite conservative coach who will keep us up either way. Um, and so what's more important for next season is to have a little bit of solid- solidity and um and continuity and and that would be good i think that would be a bit of a I say a lack of ambition it, it's a lack of ambition but it's also missing a good opportunity to actually instate some kind of um more positive vision at the club uh, and rethink through what the club is trying to achieve in t- both in terms of like squad building but also what sort of uh, tactical style of approach they would like to take and I worry that if they keep on having Grassier and he you know he variances down a little bit next season, having varianced up at the end of this season, which is exactly what happened with Jesse Marsh, you then end up with a situation where you fire the coach at Christmas and you're in the same situation, but a year on with the majority of your players now a year less on their contract and a year older as well so um yeah i think uh, I think the club needs to make some smart decisions this this um this summer and uh, they haven't given a huge amount of indication that smart decisions are their thing.
2: Yeah, a number of big questions i think plenty of liverpool fans thinking about the big questions that are uh, swirling around the club and the coaching staff and the hierarchy as well there. I think there's plenty of um very deep questions that are swirling around the Leeds um, hierarchy both on the pitch and off the pitch as well. So i think it's going to be a very interesting period um and hopefully we can Get on a pod next season uh, again to discuss them in detail because I obviously always really enjoy these conversations um with you, John, and, and all the insight you're able to to give us as well. I'm conscious that I think both of us are probably uh, have got one eye on the Champions League fixtures <laughs> that are happening as well. So I'm going to wrap things up there. But just once again, John, thanks so much for um for for coming on. And was there anything that you did want to plug in terms of, sort of work that you've um, got got coming on um, in this uh, this week?
3: Yeah. Um, I- well, thank you for having me on. It was great to have uh, the space and time to to ask the big questions. So I always appreciate that. In terms of work, I'm I'm currently working on an Aston Villa video, which I'm not sure is going to be hugely interesting to your to your audience. But um, yeah, we we do cover Liverpool a fair amount. It's been tricky this season for all of the reasons above. Um, it's been hard to get a handle on on what's, what's going on uh, tactically often yeah. at the, the, the club. But um, I think over the summer, there'll be plenty to talk about. Um, we'll have a sensible transfers video out uh, at some point when the season ends, which I think with your case will be Will be nuts because there'll be so much to consider for it. But, um, but yeah, that's a tifo football. So I can be found both on the IRL channel or the Illustrated channel. I have scripts on, on the Illustrated channel as well. So do check those out if if you like the um, a more cerebral approach to football. Um, so yeah, but thanks again for having me on. Yeah, I definitely recommend uh, all the listeners check those check those videos out um,
2: I think certainly the match breakdowns and like uh, re- reference the Arsenal Liverpool one earlier in the pod for those who aren't able to to catch the games or sort of always looking for sort of a slightly deeper understanding of what's been going on or attempt to understand what's going on as John's talking about there because it's been tricky for Liverpool uh, this season um, those are a really great way of um, getting more to grips with some of the questions uh, that you can then sort of focus on for for, for future fixtures so definitely encourage encourage that as well and for those who are listening to rival recon here uh there'll be another episode ahead of the game against nottingham forest on the 22nd of april uh but between now and then there's a whole whole array of great uh pods on the channel that are coming out uh diving into yeah what the summer will hold and you know john mentioned sensible transfers there i think the priority for me would be trying to think about what's the most attractive letter or proposal um i could send the way of ugate or uh Kaiseido, to, na- to name a few but i'm sure there's gonna be plenty that will come up um across the, the pods that we release on the channel and also um on, on some of that work that john referenced there as well uh, so thanks very much for listening everyone and there'll be another episode ahead of that game
1: against Nottingham forest we hope you enjoyed listening to this anfield index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement